children of the saints. I thank God for being here. I thank God for who he is. I thank the elders of the church. I thank my fellow brethren. I thank that our ultimate faith and our ultimate trust is only on Jesus. That in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. All we have come to do this morning is to study the word of God. And all I'm going to read is to read the, the scripture. And the Holy Spirit will go ahead and make the interpretation. The Bible says, it's not he that willeth, neither he that runneth. It's God that showeth mercy. And it's by the mercy of the Lord Jesus that we are not consumed. We have some, uh, thank you Jesus for who you are. We've gathered unto you. We've come to feed from your table. We thank you for brethren here. We thank you for as many that are coming. We thank you for as many that have connected via line, online. We thank you that the word that we are going to hear today will continue to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. Your word will we continue to hide on our hearts that we will not go or sin against you or against any fellow human being. Thank you, Father, for the entrance of your word. Bring it understanding, fulfillment, light unto our soul, unto our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. All we are going to do this morning is to read the scriptures. And I believe that the uh, Holy Spirit will take charge of it all. Thank you for giving me the audience. This is a training school. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to read from um, Luke 15. We are, we are going to cascade it down. I'm not going to read the whole, but um, as we move, you will see where we are going to. But this is Luke 15. We've sung many songs today, all based on love and all based on truth. And that truth, that love, that wisdom is Jesus. And that is the love we are talking of. We are going to showcase this here by the Father's love. One of our songs, or one of the songs we sang this morning was the, How Deep Is That Love? I don't think that we'll be able to define it. I don't see any now, any adjective that can we use to qualify it. But the more you think about Jesus, the more you think about his father, and the more you think about the Holy Ghost, the extent they went to salvage us, you know about the depth of that love. That is the love that made God himself in Old Testament to ask Abraham not to kill his son. But he willingly gave out Jesus. He made a provision for Abraham. He could have made a provision for that. No, leave Christ on the cross. Let me bring another soul. Let me bring another animal for you to use. But that was not sufficient. So God actually established in Christ, in economies, we call it both the first and second order condition to fulfill our salvation. So what we are going to read this morning is Luke 15. But before this Luke 15, if you go to Luke 14, love himself, which is Jesus, went to the ruler of the Pharisees to eat with them. 
those that say that they know the law, he went to eat with them, and all they could see was to leave somebody that is even diseased to still eat with them without even caring for them. And Jesus asked them, is it actually right for me to do something today, to give life to whom has no life? They say, they kept quiet, because in Matthew 22, they threw the same question to Christ. Say, is it good to do right? Is it good to do good on the Sabbath day? And Christ gave them the answer. Here, Christ now asked them, and they kept numbed. But he was able to salvage, he was able to heal the man. And now, the same love, because he went to them. And when he was on his own, people that seemed, because he said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. People now came unto him, sinners. And that was where this thing happened. Instead of subjecting them to questioning, he tried to teach them as his own people with parables. So we, the parable, the first is the parable of the lost sheep. He said the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to Jesus to listen to, G, to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulder. I put it to you that an ordinary woman, being who we are, the, 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 the likelihood of looking for that one is zero. That we call it the probability of looking, going for that one is zero, if we are based on us. But if we order, go for the 99, because that is just uh, an uh, infinitesimal number. It doesn't count. Uh, that 99 is okay. But Christ is now giving us, he's now telling them a parable that, yes, he left the 99 to seek for one because he doesn't want any soul to perish. And when he finds it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulder. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over lost sinners who repent and return to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. He turned to another parable, the parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a man, a woman, has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and search the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God, angels, when even one sinners repent. The parable of the lost son. A version said the parable of the prodigal son. And um, in my own translation, I said the parable of the father of the prodigal son, or the parable of the Father of the lost son. But we see why I decided to call it that. He said to illustrate, to point, to further 
this view, or to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want to share, I want my own my share of your estate now before you die. Obviously, paraphrasing, since you don't want to die, divide it and give me my own, let me go and enjoy. So, his father agreed. That is a willing father to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in a wide living. About the same, about the same time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pulse he was feeding the pig looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare. The hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as one, take me as a hired servant. So he returned home to the father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, ran, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both him and you. Because he has actually practiced the saying. Maybe as he was going, he was trying. It's not that he actually got in a repentant habit. He has said, this is, I will just, a stereotype, I will, this is just the basic. I know my father. Once I do it, at least I will be able to feed as a higher servant. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to, his, to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, and he is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the battle began. There is some takeaway we have on this. If I say, let me sample, we have hundred thousands takeaways, but I just limited it to this. That from this story, I'm... Um, Going deep on the third one, which is the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost sheep. But like I told you, Abinishio, that I more of all see that the parable of the father of the prodigal son. Why I'm pointing it like that is that it is the father that actually did all, not the son. It's the father's heart that actually brought the son home. 
We know that from this story that the son actually humiliated or dishonored his father. From what we read, I'm just picking it from what we read. The son had a bad opinion of the father's love for him because he doesn't know the magnitude of the love the father has. If, for example, we have many grandfathers here, brother David, and their Sam, and some children. Sam has more knowledge of the father's love than some children has for now. I'm just using them because uh, we are, we've, I don't have grandchild now. So, <laughs> so Sam has a real knowledge. He, has, he, must, he may not know the father fully now, but he can tell you that I know where my father will be at this point. That on Sunday morning, all things being equal, the probability that my father will be in church is, let me say, 0 0.9. But as Sam's son or daughter about Sam, where is your father tonight in the, in the Sunday morning? Say, I don't know. Because of, the, he, he grows as we grow. So, but here the son has been with the father, just that a nonchalant attitude that made him to say, Father, you've not died? Give me my own portion, let me go and squander. That made him, he has a bad opinion because if actually you know that the father has a good intention for him, that the father, the, those things, those bequests are meant for them, he wouldn't have done that. Well, let us go. The son did not really repent of his ways and of how he treated his father because it was hunger that actually subjected him to do what he did, to come back, not actually the father's love. Not actually that, sorry, not actually that he loved the father. It was the father's love and the hunger that subjected him to say, let me go and even be a servant in his father's house. The son only returned home when he remembered that even his father's hired servant had more food than he did. Because of time, we have to go on. He also felt that his father would never forgive him for what he did and was content if he could be accepted back into his father's house as a hired servant. It wasn't his love for his dad that brought the son home. I don't know, I, I think from where we read, we should know that, that it wasn't that the son actually loved the dad. It wasn't that love that brought him. Rather, it was his father's love for him that brought him. So, from what I pick here, we know that it is the love of God that actually made us, that brought us, not actually that we love him. If you start from Old Testament, if I go back, it's not here that if we go to the Old Testament when Moses went to the uh, went to get the, old, uh, the Ten Commandments, one of them is that thou shalt love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all everything in you. But nobody, even the Ten Commandments, no one fulfilled it. That nobody could fulfill. But the only person that fulfilled it was in the New Testament that Christ and the Father will fulfill all. We could not fulfill it. And the same that Old Testament that Moses, even when Moses brought it down, that day on Mount uh, Sinai, when he brought it down, just a few days later, 3,000, the Bible recorded that up to 3,000 died because of that. Well, he said, they said, Moses, all you say we do, we are able to obtain it. They didn't obey it. But Christ came and went to Mount Zion and prayed on the transgression and came down we have recorded that 3,000, more than 3,000 were saved. 
just because of love. I won't go deep there, but let us go. So, based on this, I think I titled it that unveiling the heart of a father. Unveiling the heart of a father. One of our songs today say that the depth of fathered love is the love that showcases us. Is the love that brought us. Is the love that brought us into the kingdom. Because Christ himself is the wisdom of the whole world. So it is the function, it is who he is, not who we are, that actually made us. This is the same place that we read, so I don't need to read it because of time. Uh, but it is unveiling the heart of the Father. The three parables we read showcased the beauty of our Father. Showcased how love, he's a loving Father. The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. All he's telling us, who is he telling us? He's telling us about Father. He went, leaving the one that has saved, because he's the one that said, come unto me all you that. But he now went after them to see the coin, and he was able to get the coin. The lost sheep, he was able to find it, and the prodigal son, he was able to receive him. It is the love of the Father that made the son to come, not the love of the son to the father. We don't need to read here again. Then the prodigal son father did five gracious things, or gracious action. The Bible, this is Bible, is from here. He arose and came to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him. His father saw him. It's not a coincidence. It means that his father's heart was still toward the son, even when he had veered of and was moved with compassion not sympathy compassion and ran you are talking about a king the king of kings and fell on his neck and kissed him so that is the five key points that we are mentioning he saw him his father had compassion on him his father ran towards him his father fell on his neck his father kissed him Meaning that God showed us grace even when we have failed him. Even when we are, we don't even think the kind of father we have. His grace was still, still goes for us. And uh, how is, because God gave us grace, he has a good future for us, glorious future with happy ending. I'm blessed with um, senior brothers here in the main meeting. Yesterday, we are trying to dig down into the word of God. Yesterday was very awesome. And uh, you see, the more you think about what is happening, both in Canada and everywhere, concerning the way Christians are being hit, everything, you may get discouraged. But yesterday, we ended it up. That, Do you know that this is a transit? This is just a transit. If you know that this is just a transit, so what people say, should not bother you. The function of what you bother you is what the Bible says. That is what we But being human, we know at times we are being moved. But he, we are just who he said we are, not who they said we are. And we should know that at times it does not draw a crowd. At times it does not have population. But let us be the sample that we make the... Because in the more they get out of the sample and make it larger, we turn to population. He said, for I know the plan I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 
29:11. From the parable of the prodigal son, or the parable of the father of the prodigal son we read, we know that the father had a good thought for the son. Whether we are not told whether he told him, do you know what I have for you? But the beauty on our own side now is that the scripture has been written. Christ himself told us that in the world there is going to be many trouble, many, many things to come that may make our heart to shake. They say, be of good share, that he has already overcome. So he, he, he knew all, he saw all, he defeated all, and he's given us that backup. It's a check that is signed both by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that I have overcome. That is the glorious future with a happy ending that God himself had made on us. The some perception about his father, I tell me capability versus willingness. Being capable, judging the father, whether the father is capable, the father, the son never judged the father based on capability. You know that the father has the willingness, has the money, he has the dollar, he has everything, the cattle to, to back him up. But what he was lacking, is he actually willing to forgive me? I've seen many people that have people that are rich. You see, the rich guys, you may have a cousin that is rich, a father that is rich. They can't have these two things. The rich guy may be capable, but may not be willing. The poor guy that is your brother that is always willing to have, to give you, to assist you, to send you to school, may not have the capability. But we thank God that we have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, we have God the Father that has these three things combined. He's capable and he's willing. So the, the, the son has a bad perception about the father. Yeah, that the father is capable. But he was doubting his willingness. We saw it from here. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring out. The father never debated from him. With him, sorry. He never stopped. Don't worry. No, 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 no. He just gave an order. And Jesus, for our sake, died. And that is why I say that if you judge it from the Old Testament, God intervened and told Abraham, no, don't lay your hand against Isaac. Just look. You will see a lamb. Just use it. Because I don't know what Sarah would have done that day. But when he, come to his, he came to his own son, the Bible recorded that at that hour, there was total, complete darkness. God could have made a provision. Many land we feel, and uh, this July, the, the armies, they will have a lot of things to kill. But he made it that he that knew no sin, that committed no sin, that no sin was found on him, he left it like that, he left him like that to die just to savage us. But his father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and, show, and shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted cow, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. I pick up some things here that the father gave five commands to his servant representing the grace of God to the church, representing the grace of God to you, representing the grace of God to me. Let us start. He said, bring out the best robe 
and put it on him. That represents clothing us with robe of righteousness, as Isaiah 6, 61, 10 said, we have received Jesus, our own righteousness, as a gift. The other one is put a ring on his hand, represent giving us authority in Jesus' name. The ring could be family signet ring, which functions like a credit card today, either from um, Scotia Bank, from uh, CIBC, and all those things, from uh, Walmart. That is like a credit card today. By punching a seal into a clay tablet, it's as good as a promise of payment. Esther 8.8, we have received a blank check to ask for whatever we need through praying in Jesus' name. He said, pray in my name. That is a blank check. He said, put a shoe on his feet. I believe that he represents Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, redeeming us as well as confirming the new covenant of grace that we have with our heavenly father. Root 4, 7. He said, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Represent God's provision and supply for us. It can also be likened to our sin debt having been paid by shedding of Jesus, the Lamb of God, that we have forgiven. That is Hebrews 10, 14. The final one, the fifth one says, let us eat and celebrate. Represent the supernatural joy, the unending joy, the, unknown, the joy that surpasses human understanding when a soul, a soul comes to Jesus, when a soul comes to God, when a soul got convicted, convicted by the Holy Ghost. Because of time, we have to move. I say, know your father's heart. Because it could have been a different thing if this prodigal son or the lost son, had it been that he knew the father's heart, initial before time, this thing could not have happened. But the question is that, do we really know the heart of God today? We sang the love, the, how deep is the love, father's love? Because if you don't know who, if you don't know somebody, you will call him another name. If we know that we have an Abba father. I have a friend that visited Israel. He said that uh, in Israel, they still call his son children. Uh, like um, they will call their father Abba, Abba. That is to show that it has been in existence. Abba. You show how close your son sees you. When I came to Canada, I started teaching my children mathematics. And uh, they see me as a teacher. And the issue became that each time I say, bring out your lesson notes, they start fidgeting. And um, on the other hand, do I love them? Yes. But I see that I was subjecting them to, to mental torture too much because I want them to know more than me. So, and uh, I was not trying to match their age with what I was teaching them. But when we stop and want to go to, that was in Toronto, when we want to go to um, Pizza Pizza, you see them, dad, dad, dad. You see the, the affinity has grown. Because then they are seeing me as a father. The other one, they are seeing me as a teacher. So whenever I say, bring, David, bring your mask, this thing, you see that it's like uh, when we are growing up, I was a Catholic, you see, when we want to go and get the Holy Communion, we <laughs> sanctimoniously, so David will be, I noticed that I said, no, this will be a, an issue. And uh, I tried to get a lesson teacher. So that they then see me as a father. It's good to be a teacher, but I see that the fear was growing more than the faith they had on me. 
and uh, I decided. So, do we? How do we see God? The God, the Father's heart. Know your Father's heart. But His Father said to the servant, "Quick, bring the finest robe." The Father never said, "In where I come from, we are being beaten by your friends' uh, mistake." You may not. You may not understand it. Um, if I have a friend now that my, my parents notice that he erred or he did something wrong, I will be punished for it. Because I mean, the probability is that I might have been with him when that thing happened. But here now, I believe that the, the structure here is that you have to, first of all, question, engage the person to know whether he was there or she was there or what actually happened. So the father never trying to question the son at that stage. We are not told whether later, when everything is settled, whether they had a family meeting. But here, I believe that the father, not that he didn't place cognizance to the, to the son's uh, apology, but he just come, directed the servant to bring the fattest uh, sheep. Maybe later we'll talk about the second son, but we are stopping here. How did that come? Because uh, in John, 1 John 4, 10. He said, hearing is love. Not that we loved God. Not actually that we love God. Because in Old Testament, he said, thou shalt love your father, Lord. Take your God as you are, with all your hearts, with all your soul, everything. But nobody fulfilled it. Even love your neighbor. We could not even fulfill it. But in New Testament, Christ fulfilled every law. The Ten Commandments, Christ, how do I know? He said, there was no sin found on him. He committed no sin. He knew no sin. These are three people, Peter and trying to testify. And today, Northbrook are still saying that, that Christ knew no sin. He committed no sin, and no sin was found on him. He said, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be preparation for our own sin. This is a question. It's not a rhetorical question. It's a question that we are made to answer every one of us. But I will not subject us to us because then we are not close today. But in our own hearts, what is my opinion? What is your opinion? What is our opinion of God? Do we see God as all-powerful? Yes, he is. 300%. He is. He's all-powerful. Distant. Do we see him at a distance? I don't think so. Because the Holy Spirit is living in us. An unfeeling judge who is angry whenever we fail and who constantly has to be appeased, that was in the Old Testament. Or do we know God as our Father? Our Abba Father. Whom we can run to any time even when we are falling short? Do we see him as patiently waiting for us, just as we read in the parable of the father of the prodigal son, to return to him? In Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, he said, Come unto me, all ye that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lonely in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, 
and my burden is light. This is an invitation. This is something to celebrate of. This is a something that if we know who said this, we should have ultimate trust. We, are, we should have a total reliance on the, each of the words that Christ said that we should come. I pick it from the prodigal son that he came. He was heavy laden and he came. Whether he, was, uh, he didn't have the complete knowledge of the father or not, or the issue is that he came and he was rescued. That shows us that at any point, the Bible says, let he that thinketh his time take heed, lest he falls. At any point in life, the only boast we should boast is that we are complete in him. The only boast we boast is that I know whom I believed, that he is able to accomplish. The only thing, only, only, only boast we should have is that I am complete in Christ Jesus, that in him I live. In him I move. In him I have my being. Thank you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you because we have read the scripture. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved. We have studied to show ourselves approved today. A workman that need not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing your own word. Thank you for having us as your children. Thank you because this world will run with it. The gospel in our own time will never be in vain. In Jesus' name we pray.